Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. This is our November 24th, 2011 edition of the show. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, yes, uh, (laughs) we are going to... We're trying to get all our callers lined up for the show today. I think we have got that all squared away, so coordinating everybody. But anyway, yeah, okay, um, I am Robert Larson. Before we get uh, fully underway, I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI. Dot org. You can also catch me on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash RG Larson. In studio with me today, as she often is, is Heather McCoy, our uh, fearless uh, program director, assistant engineer, and host of Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. Heather, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always good to have you. And as we are doing again today, because uh, I think we both feel that it's so important, is we're going to be talking about the Occupy movement. And so I'm really glad you could be here with me on Thanksgiving to, to do this. And, yeah. And uh, before we get going, what are you uh, thankful for today? What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for uh, the fact that I can say that I'm going to work on Thanksgiving because um, I was down to my last $200 and... Uh, I had no prospects whatsoever, so I got very, very lucky with the job I have here at the station that pays, and so I'm um, extremely grateful for that. And I guess I'm grateful for I'm actually kind of sick today, but I'm grateful that I'm at least not having a coughing fit right now. I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your health is always something to be grateful yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling sick, but uh, not too sick to do my show. I, I, You know, if I was coughing like crazy, I couldn't do it. So you, you take it for granted until it goes away, and then you're like, oh, God, just four hours ago, I was just fine. And then you just, you're going for those days, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's good that you're healthy and doing the show. So, All right, and so what we've got actually three guests lined up today and that's we're kind of trying to get that all coordinated here and thanks for your your help with that heather yeah Uh, our last caller uh calling in there and so we had two weeks ago we had sam from occupy orange county and we really want to represent orange county because that's where we are broadcasting out of and so we have actually we actually have three individuals today from occupy orange county and we figure uh, i don't know it seems like this whole occupy movement is really appropriate for Thanksgiving. It's something that we should be talking about. And I want to thank all, all of our guests today for taking time out of their Thanksgiving, which they could be spending with loved ones and maybe are for some other part of the day. So let's uh, introduce all of them. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Charles. Charles, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. It, it's great to have you. And we also have uh, Janae. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. And Davina. Davina, welcome. Hi there, how's it going? It's uh, great, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll bring it to all of you. Um, I know we're going to talk about this Occupy movement, and we're all fired up about it, and we want to get the lowdown on what's going on in Orange County, but uh, I'll run it by each of you first. Uh, What are you feeling thankful for today, Charles? Well, I'm thankful that for the time being, I have a roof over my head. All right, that's something to be thankful for. Uh, Janae, how about you? I'm thankful um, for my daughter and the fact that I live in this wonderful country. Okay. Now, Davina, what are you thankful for on this Thanksgiving Day? I'm thankful for the wonderful family that I have, the safe home that I get to go back to tonight, 
and the awesome food that I just ate. <laughs> <laughs> we had some awesome food here. Heather was just eating in the uh, lobby here, and uh, uh, some good food brought in by uh, our host of the previous show, George Rosales. So uh, it was quite tasty. It looked like you were enjoying it. Uh, yeah, that was quite. That was a good Thanksgiving meal. Okay, so let's let's get into um, Charles. Uh, we'll start off with you. Uh, you have been involved with the Occupy Orange County group, I think, from the beginning. And uh, tell us how you got involved, why you got involved, and uh, why you are still involved. Well, I got involved because a few of uh, my activist friends contacted me and said, "Hey, you know, we're going to occupy Santa Ana. Why don't you participate?" And um, I've been connected to Santa Ana and the politics for a while now, so. It definitely interested me to, to be there at that spot. And I continue to be involved because uh, right now, um, the way I see it, I've been in activism now for, you know, over a decade. And right now I see the Occupy movement as one of the largest movements I've seen in my lifetime. And I think it's going to have a lot of historical significance as we go forward. And I'm really hoping that this is the beginning of a really long-term social movement that is really going to kind of bring us back from the edge. And, uh, uh, Janae, same question. Okay, well, um, I got involved because I thought it was very important to bring awareness to the rest of the world, and I felt that the Occupy movement was an opportunity to do that. Um, not to mention it's really close to where I live, so it was easy to get involved, and I felt like it's very important to be doing something rather than doing nothing or concentrating on my everyday life, but trying to help others. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and Davina, uh, what inspired you to, to get out there and, and be uh, one of the people uh, making things happen and moving it all along? Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that have put me in my state of discontent. Um, but the, the two biggest factors for me actually coming out and standing here and getting involved are that, number one, I have a son. He just turned a year old. And when I look ahead to when he's 16, 17, 18 years old and attempting to forge his future, what opportunities are going to be available to him and how difficult is it going to be for him to actually make something with his life? Um, the way the way the state the, the state of the nation is right now, it's, it's just not looking so promising for him. And um, it should be. And it's, it's wrong. So I'm fighting for him. It, so uh, did... Uh Let's go to this other question that we've uh, we we always have to say <laughs> bring this up, and that is that uh, we still get the mainstream media kind of uh, acting like it's it, the mu- movement has no focus and no cohesion and no real sense of of purpose and can't clearly define what it is or what it wants. Uh, um, Davina, what, what's your answer to that? Well, I think part of the beautiful thing about this movement is that it is a leaderless movement. Um, <clears throat> everybody who gets involved gets involved with their own personal um, their own personal issues. And and yes, there is a, dev- a defined set of problems that the country is going through. And and yes, they are available to us. And and you can look them up online if you have interest in doing so. Um, the Occupy Wall Street movement does have an overall uh, set of issues, but what happens is when you're dealing with different cities, different 
municipalities, each each municipality has its own personal issues. So there is going to be a variation within, um, you know, the people that you speak to. And, and we're dealing with individuals. It's, it's not right to look at a group of people and say, what, are you, what, what do you stand for? and mm-hmm. expect to get the same answer. We're not drones. We're not copies. We're all individuals fighting for our own causes while fighting for a unified cause. Would you say, though, that the uh, my feeling, and, and just want to see if you agree with this, is that the overall complaint is that we are tired of everything that uh, corporations owning everything in America, including our government? Well, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, uh, that, to me that's a very simple statement, and that's one thing that I think almost everybody in the Occupy movement will agree with. I mean, there's all these other issues that we can that are varied from place to place, but I think that is an overall complaint. We we are. I think everybody is awake to that fact now. I think that's essential theme of everything. Like when you hear about um, stadium bond issues that are you know 30 years and that they take away from the public treasury. That's again corporate domination of our local government. When you hear about, you know, the UC's rage intuition, that's another corporate dominant, because, I mean, they still have tax breaks that they can get away with. They don't have a minimum tax. And I think, you know, a lot of corporations get away with paying zero tax. So I, I think the problem is so large that that's a pretty good summary of what the problem is. Mm-hmm. But in uh, Charles, if one thing you, like, when you ever do catch uh, the the corporate mainstream media discussing the Occupy movement, what would you say as far as like they're just not getting it or what they need to understand? Uh, I think what I'd like them to understand is that um, it's to really take a serious look at the historical moment we find ourselves in. If I were to give them a sound bite, I would say that the Occupy movement appears to be undefined because the problems we face as humanity are unprecedented. Before we had social movements like civil rights, it was very specific and their demands were very specific. It was a demand and, you know, topic-oriented social movement. Today, uh, the Occupy movement is literally about every issue because right now the problems that the planet faces are, didn't have, the previous generations didn't face, didn't deal with, and now we're kind of stuck with the bill. If we really do want to create a better world for the future, we have to act now. I mean, just take one uh, problem that we're facing, the fact that uh, the, the, the current economic uh, configuration, we've basically cooked our planet. And for the next 50 years, we're going to continue to cook the planet. We're going to see unprecedented kinds of uh, weather patterns and climactic changes. I mean, the military is preparing for it. We as a society need to prepare for it as well. Uh, Janae, uh, could you tell us maybe about some uh, personal uh, challenges that the Orange County uh, Occupy uh, groups uh, face? Um, Well, I think the personal challenges are probably based on lines of communication. You know, you have a lot of people involved. You have a lot of different reasons everyone's involved. So just, you know, coming together in unison and agreeing on all the same issues and, and stuff like that. Um, but pretty much now, I mean, we've overcome a lot of that and we're moving forward and, um, I don't see a lot of challenges in the way right now. And you've been involved in the, uh, the Irvine group and the, and the Santa Ana group? 
Yes. Yeah, and and you've spent a lot of time out there. Um, I spend as much time as I can. You know, all of us we have different lives, families. I go to school full time, so I'm out there a couple days. You know, three, four days a week between the two camps. I kind of divide my time up, and I come to like a lot of the important meetings and the marches more than I do every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Charles, you had mentioned to me uh, off the air uh, about. Uh, some in Santa Ana in particular, there are some uh, issues with uh, homeless people and a lot of uh, crime. And, and there's some. Uh, could you explain some of that to us that maybe people aren't hearing about? Well, one of the things that um, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's much of a, a blessing in anything, in a way, too, educationally, as a social movement, because being right there, really at the epicenter of the of the homeless community there in downtown uh, Santa Ana and the Civic Center. I mean, you really see what um, a lot of Americans are facing today, life on the streets. Uh, uh, it's really tough out there. We live in sunny Southern California, and I'm telling you, it is cold out there. It is wet, and it is very uncomfortable. People live out there 24-7, and this is uh, a future, unfortunately, that a uh, majority of the world's population faces. Mm-hmm. And would you... Uh are the homeless people coming into the the Occupy group and and being part of it, or is it kind of like the chronically homeless don't feel connected, or there's problems with uh, mental illness? How is that playing out? There definitely are a lot of issues as to why people do end up living on the streets, and there are so many interesting stories, so many tragic stories. We have uh, veterans there. I would say that the the homeless that are participating with us are doing it because of a kind of social consciousness. Some of them um, have been activists. Some of them are veterans, and they truly believe in the Occupy movement. Uh, They wouldn't be where we are uh, normally because where we are is not a place where any of them live or sleep. Uh, It's a well-lit area. It's a very public area. Frankly, it's where the police go in and out. So um, it really is normally an empty area. And so those that have joined us have joined us uh, to participate. I think two weeks ago we were hearing from Occupy Santa Ana that the, some of the conditions were less than ideal. Has that situation resolved itself? We haven't been allowed to um, to camp, and there's a very specific political reason for that. Santa Ana is essentially the dumping ground for all the cities in Orange County. They literally, you see buses pull up in cities dropping off uh, their homeless population, and they all end up right there in that civic center area. Um, that area that we're on is uh, is called the Walk of Honor, and some of us have considered that because we aren't dealing with the issue, maybe it should be called the Walk of Shame. Uh, we've named it the, the Liberation Plaza, um, and we're hoping that uh, one of the things that we can do as an Occupy movement is to demonstrate, hey, what is the county doing about this issue? What is the city of Santa Ana doing about this issue? What are the other cities doing uh, to deal with this issue because it's a countywide problem? And I would argue it's a moral problem. Um, the reason why Santa Ana won't let us uh, camp there with tents is because they had an issue um, over 10 years ago where they had a large tent city, and it became very dangerous. So they have extremely strict um, anti-camping laws. This is uh, KUCI in Irvine, the Out the Rabbit Hole radio program. Robert Larson here. And uh, we're speaking uh, with... Uh, Three uh, people here uh, from the Occupy Orange County group. We have uh, Charles, we have Davina, and we have Janae in studio. With me also is Heather McCoy. 
uh, program director and host of Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. And uh, Davina, I, I wanted to talk to you about something. We ha- had a little conversation off the air, and you were talking about um, somebody that uh, you know who is, uh, I guess, w- could be considered part of the 1% who's in, in that uh, sort of income level, and that this person... Um, you were able to kind of get through to her and make a, a breakthrough in her understanding what this was about. Could you talk to us about that? Yeah. Um, I happen to have some family members who are in a wealth bracket that is far, far above where I currently sit. Um, my grandmother, in, in spe- uh, speaking specifically, and um, she didn't understand what I was doing coming out here and and sleeping outside on the concrete um, when I have a nice warm house to go home to. She didn't understand why I felt I needed that. She didn't understand why I thought this was my fight. Um, And I I sat her down and I ran over the simple logistics with her. If, If I work a minimum wage job, they're not going to give me 40 hours. They're going to give me 38 because then they don't have to give me medical. Um, after I've paid my $1,100 rent and my 300 additional dollars in utilities, I'm already in the hole. Tell me how I'm supposed to survive. Oh, wait, there's another check coming in two weeks, right, that has to go to pay the car note and the insurance. God forbid I want to buy some groceries. And I sat down and I, I went over the math with her and it's something that she hasn't had to think about in decades. And, and she hasn't been in that position in such a long time that it really never dawned on her that people were living that way. Um, you know, that, that that whole paycheck to paycheck thing was more common than not. And, I mean, she didn't even know that minimum wage was what minimum wage was. And she thought that it was at least like 13 or $14 an hour. Um, but, but going through the math with her, Something clicked in her head, and I, I went from a time of opposition in that discussion with her to uh, a, a very comfortable understanding of, of why I was there, and she's now decided to support me in my fight with this movement and um, stand in solidarity with the movement because she doesn't think that it's right that people are living that way. And she, she has come to a bit of an awakening as to how truly lucky she really is because if she had to start over today she wouldn't survive. It's not like it was 50 years ago where you bust your hump and you get ahead. You bust your hump and you fizzle out at this point. It's not possible to move forward the way the system is working. Um, and, and I mean, it was, it was really inspiring that she, she now is able to understand and she's now able to back us up and, and stand with us. I think that's one of the reasons why Occupy started. It wasn't just the bailouts. It was the idea that you work your you know, ass off and then you just fizzle out. And there's right. not a big, like, there's not a future in front of you that's, like, at least somewhat secure. Yeah. Right. It does seem that, like, you know, back in the 1970s, you could uh, you could get sort of a schlubby job and find another one on the side and kind of, between two jobs, make enough money to actually get ahead and support yourself. And now, to do that, you're just you're just doing all you can to keep from going deeper into debt. 
in, in minimum wage job just doesn't cover anything. It's not a living wage, not even close to. It's funny that your your grandmother thought that uh, minimum wage uh, was about thirteen or fourteen dollars an hour. Uh, would I have had the people who would I have heard of the people who've broken down these statistics and numbers, and that if the minimum wage today had the same ba- buying power that it had when it was originally implemented, it would be fourteen dollars an hour. And uh, now, if somebody get, gives you a job for ten dollars an hour, they act like they're doing you a big favor, and that <laughs> that doesn't even again ten dollars an hour is not a living wage. And you try paying rent and and having some form of transportation in Orange County, and it, it just doesn't uh, just doesn't cut it. And uh, yeah, so I think what is really interesting is, with the Occupy movement, and I'd kind of like to get some feedback from y'all on this, is that it does seem that it uh, it it is people from sort of like really all different income levels that are aligned with this. When we say the 99%, you know, we have people that are chronically homeless that are involved. We have people that are, are working poor. We have people that are sort of marginally middle class. We have people that are upper middle class that are, are feeling what we're feeling as the Occupy movement. And you even have people in the 1% who are saying, look, I am in that top 1% level. I come from a very wealthy family. Uh, but I understand the way the system is currently set up. It is not working. This, this is not good for the system as a whole. And, um, yeah, are, uh, Janae, are you, uh, is that how you're seeing it yourself? Yes, definitely. I think we do have all different types of people in the movement um, that really understand that it's not just about income. It's about fairness and equality. Um, there are a lot of people that are very wealthy that are not in the 1%, and they think they are. Mm-hmm. But they're not, because they're not the people who are making the decisions and controlling these corporations. And I think that's the big misconception, is the 1% is classified as wealthy people. And that's just not it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sadly, my parents think they're in the 1%, and they're not. <laughs> and it's like, it's, <laughs> they have a McMansion in Colorado, but no, they're not part of the 1%. Right. It's You're very cute. Class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say that uh, 16% of the U.S. population identifies themselves as the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the 1%, it, it's, not, it's not strictly an income level. Yeah, it is basically billionaires, but it's, it's people who are in a certain mindset of control, people who are uh, running banks and uh, huge corporations and uh, are involved with groups like the, you know, International Monetary Fund and these kinds of groups, and they're about control and they're about keeping it the way it is and keeping it where all the rest of us are fighting for crumbs. And, And it's sort of a mindset, and it's not necessarily because you're very wealthy, because there are some people who are very wealthy who who do uh, agree that the tax system is unfair and that the rich do need to pay more. So it's it's just a it really is a one percent or maybe even a less than one percent of people who have this really uh, I would say sick and twisted uh, sort of belief system about control. Would uh, would you agree with that, Davina? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the, 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 the problem is, is that the individuals who have that power want to keep it, um, and, and I think maybe they're a little bit smaller than 1%. I think that's probably valid. And so, you're, uh, Davina, are you out there at the um, Occupy Orange County uh, right now? Um, as of this very moment, I'm about two blocks away. I'm going to be heading back in, in about 20 minutes. And for those that don't know, and including me, I, I, I have a short-term memory loss sometimes, um, where is the Occupy Irvine movement at? 
Um, I'm in Santa Ana. Oh, I can't tell I you thought where there, I thought, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, there's two different groups. There's Occupy Orange County, which is in Santa Ana. Then there's Occupy Irvine, which is in Irvine. Yeah, I thought, I thought one of our guests was splitting her yeah. time. Yeah, that's Janae. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's on, it's on Harvard and Alton. Okay. Right on the corner at the Civic Center. So, like, the police station, Civic Center. There's a, there's a camp set up there. Okay. So, it's, it's what in Alton? Harvard. Harvard and Alton. Okay, Civic Center in Irvine. And then, uh, uh, Davina, the, the Santa Ana one, is it's the Santa Ana Civic Center? Uh, yeah, it's Santa Ana Civic Center. It's um, our, our encampment is on Broadway, uh, right in between Civic Center and Santa Ana Boulevard. All right. Let's give out some some web addresses and some ways people can find out more money, uh, more more money. They they want to maybe donate some money, and find out more about what's going on. But uh, yeah, Charles, do you have uh, any web addresses you can give out to us? You can go to occupyorangecounty.com or occupyoc.com. Okay. And are uh, is Irvine? Does that have a different uh, web address, uh, Janae? Um. You know what? I'm I'm not actually sure on that. Okay. I, I think it's um they could go to either one. Um, I know we have a Facebook which is Occupy Orange County. Okay. In- and uh, you can you can check out I believe it's um, OccupyOrangeCountyCA.org uh, for the Irvine and either site you can donate money. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, money is needed, uh, donations of actual uh, items, uh, sleeping bags, food, medicines, things like that are, are needed? Yes. Okay. I, I was out at the, the Occupy uh, Los Angeles uh, a couple weeks ago. In, have any, any of you been out there? I yeah. was there on the 17th. Yeah, I was really kind of uh, blown away by that. I mean, it just was amazing. The enti- The whole... Uh, sort of perimeter around the city hall is just covered with tents all the way out to the sidewalk. It was really, it looked kind of surreal actually, but I was really, I felt uh, heartened by it and that, wow, this is, people are serious. They're out here. Awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. that Occupy um, LA is going to become the new epicenter of the Occupy movement because they're the only ones that are kind of around and large. And I know that Occupy Boston and some of the other, uh, Chicago and some of the other cities are sending their contingents uh, to L.A. where they can continue to permanently occupy. Uh, one of the things I think that's interesting sociologically about Occupy L.A. is that some of the splits that are happening in all the Occupy movements uh, really kind of came to a head at the L.A. movement, and um, I think they reflect some of the some of the some of the different uh, strains within the movement as well as the society at large. What are some of the strains that came into play? I think that um, one of the strains um, that is a part of this Occupy movement is the idea that um, um, that we're creating a new society, um, and it's, this is kind of the beginning of the foundation of that. Uh, the sort of the, the mainstream Occupy movement is a protest movement; it's a social movement. But I think there are those who are trying to birth a new culture as well. Okay, and so that how would that clash with some of the other people there then? Uh, some of the people who feel that they're creating a new society are not quite as um, interested in the daily kind of processes of uh, maintaining the encampment as well as some of the um, some of the, the, the desires to get involved more electorally 
uh, politically. Um, they're not quite as interested in that. They just feel that, well, let's just create a new world right here and right now. So, so there's a little bit of this divide of between people who want to just throw everything out and start over and those who say, well, we can keep a system in place, but we just need to radically reform it, and that that's kind of the split? Uh, I actually wouldn't put it so extremely. I think, um, I think neither, neither camp would necessarily be uh, trying to throw anything away. Rather, um, I think that um, one of the strains of sort of the more mainstream um, might be um, interested in um, changing and reforming and creating, birthing those kinds of uh, actions within our society, whereas others want to be, I think, more fundamental and say, hey, let's create um, a society based on free association. So if you, so if you were to do it outside the electoral spectrum, um, where would the movement go from there? Because you could only... After a while, um, I would guess the energy of, of camping in, an, in the Civic Center would kind of go away. So where would you take that energy to the next step? I think there's discussion to take it a couple different ways. I think mainstream-wise, I think uh, we're looking at becoming more mobile and more protest-oriented. Uh, personally, uh, I can't speak for the whole movement or even our movement in Santa Ana, but uh, personally, I'd like to see us... Um, do more protest rallies in front of key corporations and banks that yeah. we uh, feel are at the core of the problem. Um, those kinds of um, movements, doing more rallies, uh, garnering more support, creating more alliances with other groups that have been involved in, in a variety of social struggles. Uh, and otherwise, um, I personally also would like to see uh, a new society that's based on, um, you know, again, free association where people take care of one another as opposed to relying on an industrial system that's extractive, exploitive, ultimately violent. Yeah, one of the one of the problems I see, though, is, is it seems like over the last 30 years especially, we've been so excluded from the process in every way possible. It's like how do you bridge the gap between a group of people agreeing on principles and actually taking in that into democratic action? I think that protest is a form of democratic action, especially when... The established system uh, electorally has essentially failed. Uh, if you read Chris Hedges' weekly article on Truth Out, uh, he quotes Sheldon Wallen, who describes our current society as what's called an inverted totalitarian state, meaning that we have the appearance of choice, but essentially it's managed by the elites. Mm -hmm. And that kind of system is unresponsive to, to serious and genuine uh, calls for change. And someone dies of... Uh, starvation. A child dies of starvation every six seconds. Someone dies of starvation every 3.5 seconds. The, this current system is not sustainable, and I don't think anyone argues it is. No, I don't think it is, but I'm just saying, though, is, is that we go through, like you're saying, child, children can starve and, you know, we can have society's ills, but um, I was part of the Iraq war protests, and there's a certain point where it's just like they ignore us so thoroughly. It's like, how do you how do you make a dent? That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. I think that's why um, I'm actually in favor of both processes, not only the protest, but also let's, create, let's drop out of the system as much as is possible. I realize it's not possible to fully drop out of the industrial system, but as much as we can to lower our carbon footprint, to create the kinds of local 
social um, relationships that are needed to get our basic needs. Um, uh, I think one of the reforms we could suggest is that there's no more Wall Street speculation, there's no more financial speculation on the necessities of life, food, clothing, and shelter. No more housing bubbles, mm. you know, no yeah. more rising price of grain. Uh, I don't think we should speculate on oil since our entire economy and life itself today is sustained by oil. I, yeah, I would agree with you on that, and and I and some some people have also suggested on some of these uh, speculating and these uh, kinds of things that I uh, just need to put a put a tax in, on there that would be uh, sort of prohibitive of crazy speculation, but to the extent that it would still be allowed, at least it would be bringing in income that could be used for the common good. And I, I appreciate you bringing up Chris Hedges. I, I do want to sort of second that. Chris Hedges is a real. Uh, uh, a great voice, uh, intellectual, who has uh, insights about what's going on, and I've always appreciated what he's had to say. And um, yeah, so Chris Hedges, yeah, he's, he regularly writes for Truth Out, right? Yes, uh, I would agree that I think we could incentivize, even short of banning speculation on basic necessities, we could at the very least incentivize long-term investment over short-term speculation. And especially, and especially prohibit derivatives. Mm. I don't just... know how we can stop derivatives unless we slow down the, because derivatives derive from um, speculation upon foodstuffs like grains. Farmers need derivatives in order to make it from year to year. So we have to get really smart and clever about how we control derivatives. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. We we need smart people involved, and we need smart people who aren't corrupt, and uh, that's uh, we need to to find those people or be those people. And uh, I want to ask you all about something. Uh, there's been uh, things get going on the internet, and there was um, this uh, sort of tragic, sort of vile event that occurred uh, recently, where this. Uh, uh, cop at uh, UC Davis just uh, very nonchalantly uh, pepper sprayed some uh, nonviolent protesters and uh, like he was just uh, spraying his lawn with water and basically was torturing these people. And so it, it created this this horrible image, but it's become somewhat iconic. And I don't have you uh, all seen the people have taken that image and sort of uh, photoshopped it into uh, classic art pieces and it's uh, it's created this interesting form of communication where it's got people uh, thinking about this. Uh, have you, uh, Janae, have you seen those images? Oh yes, definitely. I was um, actually watching the video the other day and um, talking to YouTube on YouTube to people um, on there about it that were actually condoning it. Condoning <laughs> so, what? The, the actual the, the behavior of the police officer who sprayed the students with pepper spray. There's a lot of sick people out there. <laughs> and, yeah, that that's that's sad. Well, what, what I like though is I've been seeing all these images and people are taking these classic art images and photoshopping this guy in, and it's just being spread all over the internet. But it it create it's this this icon and it gets people thinking it gets people emotional it gets people who otherwise might not even be thinking about what's going on are like wait what is this guy doing here this looks weird and and it's like that image uh, we had from abu ghraib of the uh uh, the hooded uh, prisoner being sort of almost looking like he was crucified, one being uh, hooked up to electrodes on a box, and and these became 
very iconic and created uh, a sense of uh, a sort of breakthrough in people realizing that something was going on that wasn't right. And um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that this this could uh, engage more people. Are you, are you feeling that as well, Davina? You know, I I think I I think that you're right there. I think that. Um it becoming, a, I mean, it's a meme, it's a joke, uh, or it's in a, you know, a comedic form, and I think it's putting it out there to a demographic of individuals who maybe didn't have any idea what was going on, and then they go, wait a minute, what's happening here? What, what is this guy doing in, in this Monet? <laughs> like, why, why is he here? And they go, and they Google, and they find out, and it's opening up, um, it's opening up that demographic that never would have had any clue before. Or why is or why is he spraying Tim Tebow? That one's my favorite one. <laughs> he's in a prayer and he's spraying Tim Tebow. Um, no, what I was gonna say is I've never seen that much image, that much energy behind an image before. To have pages and pages of that guy inserted into different pieces of art and pictures, it's it's different. And then see it posted on Facebook by people that aren't even that political. I think something is major just happened there, but um, it's gonna be time before we get to see what that exactly is. Mm-hmm. I, I think it struck a chord, and I think it, um, you know, we look back on images like that. There, what was the one from the, the Vietnam War of the uh, uh, the officer or, or the military guy shooting the guy in the head, uh, sort of executing him, and that that kind of woke up a lot of people to some of the things that were going on. The other one of the... The, uh, the colonel. The, yeah, and the monks... Uh, uh, Monk burning himself. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it just like, people see that, and they're like, I can no longer ignore this. Yeah. And so I think these are forms of communication that are very powerful. We're talking here with words, and we're over the air. It's, very, it's auditory, and people talk with the written word, and that's all good. But some, sometimes those visual images, just the one, the stark image, can be really powerful. And so I, I think it's – I'm, I'm uh, reposting those images as much as I can. I want people to talk. I want people to ask questions. And uh, so, uh, yeah, this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson here in studio with me, Heather McCoy. And we're talking with Davina, Charles, and Janae. They are all from the Occupy Orange County group. And we have um, – we don't have a lot of time left here on the show today, so I kind of want to uh, give each of you a chance to kind of – just uh, kind of sum up a couple of minutes uh, how you're feeling about where things are at now and where you want to see it go. Just off the top of your head, let's start with you, Davina. Are wow, you- <laughs> that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just don't even, it doesn't have to be like this is the, ever, the end all be all, but just like, you know, how you're feeling today about, about the movement and, and what you want to see happen. I'm feeling... I'm feeling really proud about the movement, especially about our little unit in Santa Ana. Um, You know, the fact that this thing is global at this point is a huge wake-up call for so many people. And the fact that, you know, we we personally in Santa Ana have met challenges. We aren't able to have tents. We aren't able to do some of those things that that make the basic the basic, uh, that are the basic ingredients of an Occupy, we don't have those, but there's still people showing up every day, and, and we're still there forging forth, and I think it's a really beautiful thing. I mean, it's despite, it's, it's a classic example of, of us fighting the system. They, they cannot keep us down. We're going to continue to show up. We're going to continue to be there. We're going to continue to fight them. 
And, um, I mean, I, I think that's the same thing with all of the occupiers. You can knock our tents down. We're going to put them back up. You can tell us we can't have them. We'll sleep on the concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are at a place where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I think that this thing, this breaking point that we're standing at, this precipice, is, is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I am so grateful to be able to come here and to stand for the future of my children, for the future of myself. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed. All right, well, Davina, th- thanks for uh, spending the time with, the, with us today. And uh, Charles, uh, the same uh, for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on how you're feeling today about it and where you want to see things go? I'm feeling right now as hopeful as I ever have in the decade and a half that I've been in community organizing, social activism. Uh, I've worked for politicians. Hello, can you hear me? Go ahead, uh, Charles. That's okay. Uh, no, I'm feeling as hopeful as I ever have because it's such a broad-based social movement. I'm seeing people um, involved in activism that I hadn't seen before. I'm able to make alliances with groups that I've always dreamed about making alliances with. For example, in Santa Ana, We've got, uh, you know, the artist community. We've got an activist community. We've got, um, you know, uh, such a wide range of people that I feel have always been natural allies but haven't really kind of come together. And that's what we're doing in Santa Ana. And it's really giving me uh, a lot of hope for hopefully what I see as a permanent social movement that can agitate for change, uh, for change and to be there for all the other kinds of issues that we face as a society and I think that this is one of the most hopeful and refreshing um, emergent cultural um, phenomenon uh, of a generation. All right, Charles, and, and thank you for spending the time with us today. And if you could uh, just stay on the line until the end of the show, that that would be uh, nice, okay? Thank you. Okay, and uh, yeah, Janae, it, your thoughts about how, you, how you're feeling today about the movement and where you are hoping things will go. And can I add one thing for Janae, since she does Occupy Irvine as well? Yes. Um, are you going to, like, start bridging out to, like, UCS students? Because I think the campus is getting organized, and I'm waiting for tents to start popping up in Aldridge Park at any minute now. Okay, um... Yeah, I, I definitely think we are. We've been reaching out to a lot of the colleges, and um, that could be next on the agenda. And then, uh, fully with Robert's question, then. Yeah, how are you feeling about the movement? How are you feeling today about everything related to Occupy, and uh, where where you're hoping things will go? I'm feeling really excited about the movement and proud to be a part of it, and I feel like it's actually doing something. I'm spending my time instead of sitting at home being upset about the conditions of the world, actually moving forward with a group of people who are all in unison with the same idea all over the world, which is a big, you know, thing to be a part of, especially in this time. So I'm feeling really excited about it, and I'm feeling like we are accomplishing things, and I think that in the future with um, us being able to bring the attention and awareness to the public with boycotting certain companies, um, certain corporations that have been corrupt, that is where the change, you know, is going to start really is with the dollar, you know, taking it out of their hands. So I feel like it's a very hopeful movement, and I feel like we're in a good position right now. Okay, well, thank you for spending the time with us today, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Charles, anything else you want to add real quickly uh, as far as uh, letting us know about something coming up or anything? 
I'm sorry. I, uh, you know what? I, I have to go. Okay. So I'll, I, I really feel bad about dropping off the line, but I wasn't you know, sure how long this was going to be, and I'm in the middle of something. But um, I okay. want to thank you for my time on the show, and um, I hope to see you guys soon. Okay. Go down there. Okay. Thank you. And, and Charles, then we're going to have to wrap it up. Thank you so much, both of you, for spending the time with us thank today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, yeah, okay, that is going to do it here on uh, with our guest, and I guess we've got a couple minutes here, and Heather, uh, I don't know, what do you want to say? I don't know, I think I pretty much got it out. I'm just kind of, there's a little bit of anxiety that the, you know, things are going to start slowing down, and LA is going to crack out down the tents, and um, I just have a little anxiety about where the movement's going, but hopefully they'll really re-flourish in different and new ways, and um keep the movement going because we desperately need it we're gonna be really bad off if we don't succeed that's the hard part is and i think that's why it is succeeding is our is our back is against the wall and we have nowhere else to go so we Mm -hmm. have to think of a way to win somehow yeah i think it's that it has gotten there it's gotten to where things are bad enough that people have you know you don't have much to lose anymore yeah you don't have anything to lose anymore and i think i think that's one of the things that that super committee debating whether or not to cut social security came into play because one night you were like trying to joke around with me and i'm like the super committee was announced and it was most likely going to cut like you know retirement programs for old age and i'm like you know i'm probably not going to make much money in my life and um what do i need you know what am i going to do without that and then uh, you know, it's just like, why not try drugs? I mean, when you have nothing to f- left to lose, you go for a lot of different things you normally want it, and sometimes you are successful in that position. So I think that's kind of where we are as a country are, is, and I hope more people don't camp out tomorrow, like boycott every, you know, they're making employees work at midnight on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, to consume just worthless crap. <laughs> like, I checked out the sales. It's like they're not even trying um, so why not just not do that and then occupy like Wells Fargo? They're still on Grand <laughs> Harmon. And so like, I don't know, put your energy into more, something more, um, productive on tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. So no, not camping out at Walmart and Target and the malls and Best Buy and all those yeah. places. Camp out at, at Wells Fargo and make a protest at Bank of America or just, the Civic Center in Santa Ana, occupy Orange County, occupy Irvine, occupy Austin, occupy New York, occupy Minneapolis, occupy Cincinnati. Yeah, anyone. A- anywhere, wherever you're at, anybody listening to us, and just uh, get out there. We are awake, you know. They can say, the mainstream corporate media can say that we're diffuse and we don't have a an organized uh, message, but, but we know... We know what we want. We we are awake now, and we're going to be out there, and we're going to keep occupying. And uh, you know that's that's what we can do with our anxiety, Heather. That there we, you go. we just do stuff. You do yeah, stuff, you and just... that, you take that energy. Anxiety is just an energy, and you flip it into something positive. All right, hey Heather, thanks for being yeah, here no on problem. Thanksgiving, and it's yeah. uh, it's been great. All right, so that wraps up out the rabbit hole. KUCI and Irvine. Robert Larson here. Uh, remind you once more: the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management. 
or the UC Board of Regents. And uh, let's see, yeah, so we got uh, Counterspin <laughs> counterspin and Planetary Radio coming right up. And I think I'll be sitting in on the board for that because Matt Kaplan is enjoying Thanksgiving with his family, which he should. He's got a wonderful family. <laughs> I've never met them yet. So. I never have either, but just the oh. way he talks about them, they seem oh. wonderful. Okay. <laughs> all right, so, all right, I'm going to leave you with a little more music from Los Dugans, and it's KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Also on the web at KUCI.org. Robert Larson, be uh, talking to you next week.